This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Um, thank you again for uh, inviting me to come and share with you this morning. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, Kind of difficult uh, supply preaching in the Christmas season, uh, especially when you know uh, there's been other supply preachers and everything, because you don't know what the other guys have preached, right? Uh, you know, at Christmas time, you know, we've got the the prophecies about Jesus uh, being foretold in the Old Testament. You've got those passages, and you know, you've got the Luke passages about uh, the the uh, angels coming to Zacharias and. Uh, to uh, Mary, and you've got uh, the John passage, you know, that talks about the Word becoming flesh and, and uh, how Jesus uh, existed from all eternity. Uh, and uh, uh, at, at, uh, at my church, um, we are beginning a um, series through Matthew, and so I'm going to share with you the Christmas story from, from Matthew uh, from the very beginning um, of... Uh, the genealogy here. Now, uh, I, I don't know if any of the other guys have preached the genealogy from Matthew. Okay, okay, okay. I'm getting a, a no head, uh, no head shake, so uh, I'm in good, good, uh, good position here. Um, why would Matthew begin the Gospel of Matthew with a genealogy? Uh, you know, as modern people, we we look at a genealogy and we think. How dry and boring can it get, right? You know, we, 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 we look at that and we think, uh, let's just skip to the good stuff, right? Well, this is some good stuff. <laughs> this is some good stuff. Why would Matthew begin with a genealogy? Well, what is the point of a genealogy? Uh, a genealogy uh, connects stories together. It, it, it draws a line between one and another story. We can kind of think back to the first genealogies in the Bible in Genesis chapter 5. You, you have the story of Cain and Abel, uh, first uh, Adam and Eve, and then Cain and Abel, and that follow, that's followed by a genealogy that leads you step by step by step on down the line from Adam and Eve all the way down to Noah, and then it picks up another story. Well, Matthew here begins the Gospel of Matthew for a similar reason. He's connecting it to what came before. So by beginning the New Testament, by beginning Matthew with a genealogy, he's connecting it to everything that came before. Jesus didn't just drop out of the sky one day. No, he was the fulfillment of the promises of all the Old Testament. The fulfillment of the promises going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, whenever there was a promise that there would be a seed of the woman that would one day come and crush Satan's skull. Amen? And he was the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that one day he would have a descendant that would bless all nations. And he was the fulfillment of the promise to David that one day he would have a son that would come and sit on his throne forever. And that's what we see in this genealogy. Jesus is the long-awaited messianic Messiah that, that uh, is the fulfillment of the promises to Abraham and to David. He is the one who came to crush the serpent's head. He is the one who um, came to save his people from their sins. And his people included among them 
Gentiles and sinners like us. So let's go ahead and take a look at our text this morning. For Matthew 1, beginning in verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez by Zerah, uh, Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtel, and Shealtel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor. Oh, I skipped a line. Zadok, the father of Achim, and Achim, the father of Eliud, and Eliud, the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer, the father of Mathon, and Mathon, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations of, from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation of Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. We pray that you would help us to see these names, these words in a fresh and new way. And may they cause us to worship Jesus all the more. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew begins with his main point. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In that, he tells us that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. The word Christ is the Greek translation for the Hebrew word Messiah. He is the fulfillment of the promises. He is the anointed one. He is the long-awaited one that the Old Testament promises. When we say Jesus is the Christ, we're saying He is the promised anointed one that God promised long ago. He is the son of David. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David says, I'm going to build a house, a a temple for God. Well, God tells him, I've dwelt in a tent all these years. Have I ever asked you to build me a house? 
And he tells David, no, I'm going to build a house for you. And by that he means a dynasty, a line of kings that would come after him. And God tells David there in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that he would one day have a son who would sit on his throne and of his kingdom there would be no end. Solomon died. Rehoboam died. And all of those sons, other sons we read about, they died. But Jesus is alive and He is the King today. Amen? Amen. Jesus is the son of David. Or son of Abraham. God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He was a pagan at, at the time. And God called him out of there. He promised him that he would give him land, seed, and blessing. He promised him that his descendants would be as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the sands of the seashore. And Abraham longed and he waited for this son And finally, when he was 99 years old, Isaac was born. When we read through this genealogy, when we come to all these names, we should just kind of pause and reflect and just remember the stories we know about these people. This isn't just a list of names. It's it's something that's there to remind us, to cause us to just pause and think back of all the stories that we know about these people. So, he says, uh, uh, well, um, that Abraham was the father of Isaac. Now we know the story of Isaac too. Isaac, this long-awaited son, finally was born. And God tells Abraham, go kill him. How strange. And yet... Abraham, in faith, took Isaac up the mountain. He had the wood. He had everything all prepared for the sacrifice. He comes to the top of the mountain and uh, Isaac asks, you know, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. And what happens? But Abraham sees a, a ram caught in a thick just at the time whenever God tells him, Stop. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Oh, Jacob, he was a crafty one. <laughs> he, he robbed his brother of his birthright. He uh, uh, tricked his father into blessing him instead of his, his, the firstborn, his brother Esau. And then he got tables turned on him. He got tricked. He went and worked for seven years so that he could marry Rachel. And when he woke up in the morning, it was Leah. We know these stories, and again, when we read through this, we ought to reflect on all of those stories. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Now, when we think about the book of Genesis, if we know the story of the book of Genesis, we come to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then we usually think of Joseph. Joseph is who the big story is all about, right? Joseph is the one who his brothers sell into Egypt. Joseph is the one who is imprisoned and and, uh, falsely accused and and, uh, who ends up rising up out of prison and becoming the second in command in all of Egypt. And how his brothers come down to Egypt and they're saved from the famine because he has wisely managed everything. 
But there's a second story that's going throughout the book of Genesis, even in those chapters about Joseph, that we read about Judah. And at the very end of the book of Genesis, Jacob blesses all of his sons and he tells Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah. Jacob foretells in this blessing to Judah that it's his line that will produce the Messiah. It's his line that will be the one that produces the king. We skip down a little ways and we come to King David. I've already talked about this, but you know we know these stories about King David. We, we know that he killed Goliath. All the kids know about that story, right? We know, that's one of the first Bible stories we learn about as kids, about how David, he he took these smooth five, five smooth stones and he whirled that slingshot and he tossed it in the air and Goliath came tumbling down, right? And we also know the story of David and Bathsheba and how how David committed adultery. And then there's the promise to David. David was promised he would have a son that would sit on his throne forever. And we know Solomon, his son, who's listed here. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Solomon gives us Proverbs. He gives us Ecclesiastes. He gives us Song of Solomon. He gives us all these books of the Bible that we have. He was such a wise guy. Solomon's son Rehoboam. While Solomon was so wise, he raised a fool. Didn't he? Rehoboam didn't listen to the advice of the elders and ended up splitting the kingdom in two. You have Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And Israel didn't have a Davidic king, yet in the south, in Judah, there continued to be a son of David on the throne. And God was being faithful to His promise. He was building David a house. We see this line after Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. Now that might be a name that we might think of. Because it was in the year that King Uzziah died that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of His robe filled the temple. He saw this glorious vision of God. And he saw the angels saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah, he was the one who saw this vision in the year that Uzziah died, and he also tells us of the baby that would be born in Bethlehem. Well, no, not Bethlehem. Micah was the one who said that. Isaiah told us of the baby that would be born, this child that would be born of a virgin. He tells us of a, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All that happened shortly after Uzziah died. This name we see in this genealogy. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. 
We know about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was that king who he got sick and he was going to die and he prayed, God, don't let me die. And God granted his request. He, he didn't kill him, but in the years that he added to his life, Manasseh was born, who ended up being the most wicked king that, Israel, that Judah ever had. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah. Maybe you remember Josiah from Sunday school. He was the eight-year-old king. He became king when he was eight years old. He was the, the little good little king. And yet, he was, he was the king who had them clean out the temple. They had neglected God's word. And they, as they were cleaning out the temple, they found the scroll of the law and he commanded that it be read. And the people wept because they realized they hadn't been keeping God's law. Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. God was going to be faithful to his promise. He was building a house for David. He was letting a king sit on the throne of David all these years. And there were some good kings and there were some wicked kings. And yet... God finally punished His people for their sins. And He took them from Jerusalem and He took them into captivity in Babylon. He took some of the sons of David and took them into Babylon. And then at the time of the deportation to Babylon, we're we're, we're left with this question, how is God going to be faithful to His promise? How is God going to be faithful to His promise? There's no more king in Judah. There's no more king. He's been taken off into Babylon. That's where Isaiah's prophecy comes in. Isaiah tells us, though the tree was cut down, the holy seed was in its stump. While you cut that tree down, there was still a rod of Jesse, the branch of David that was sprouting. And while he didn't sit in Jerusalem on the throne, that line continued. And we come after the time of the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. And Shealtel was the father of Zerubbabel. We read about both of those names in places like Haggai and Ezra and Nehemiah. But then it goes quiet. It goes quiet for hundreds of years. But the line continues. Zerubbabel was the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathon, and Mathon the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. After all these years, this descendant of David, Joseph, became the husband of Mary to whom Jesus was born. And this 
Jesus was called the Christ, the Messiah, the long-awaited fulfillment of the promises. So what Matthew has been getting at when he gives us this genealogy is to show us Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. He is what all the stories of the Old Testament point to. As we've been going through this genealogy, maybe you noticed something. I skipped over some names. That's important. There are some names in here that I thought we'd come back to. Some names that you would think of would not belong in a genealogy. See, when when you look at a genealogy, you don't expect there to be names of women. And yet there's four women listed here in this genealogy. Most genealogies is just father to son, father to son, father to son, father to son. So Matthew must have a big point here. He doesn't follow the normal conventions, but he includes these women. So let's go back and look at them. He says, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Now Tamar, she was a Gentile, for one. Two, this is an interesting story. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 38. But the way this all came about is Judah had a son who married Tamar. This is getting interesting. He has a son who married Tamar, and yet his son does something wicked, and God kills him before he's able to have any children. So Judah has a second son who he gives to Tamar to marry, because in those days they have this thing called Leverite marriage. Leverite marriage was a custom they had, so, and it's talked about in, uh, in Deuteronomy, but basically the idea is uh, you, you, if, uh, if a man dies before he has any children who can raise up and, and carry that family line, then his brother has the responsibility of marrying his widow and raising up children for him. Well, Judah's first son marries Tamar, no children, he dies. Judah's second son marries Tamar. He does something wicked. God kills him. No children yet. Judah has a third son. And his duty is to give that third son to to Tamar so he can raise up children. And yet, he doesn't want to do it. Would you? One son? Nope. Dead. Two sons? Nope. There's something wrong with this lady. So the weirdest thing happens. I mean, this is in the Bible. (laughs) Tamar dresses up as a prostitute. So she's a Gentile, dresses up as a prostitute and tricks Judah into lying with her. That's in the Bible. That's in the genealogy of Jesus. She had twins. Perez and Zerah. Perez was in the genealogy of Jesus. One one thing we see in this is in spite of our sin, God is working even through our evil choices to bring about good. Amen? 
God is working even through those things. They're still wicked. They're still evil. But we cannot thwart God's plan. Next, Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab, we know this story. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Rahab, she was a Canaanite. She was a Gentile. She was a prostitute. And yet she believed in the God of Israel. When the spies came to spy out Jericho before they came and defeated it, Rahab allowed the spies to take refuge in her home so that they would not be found out. And she was spared whenever the rest of Jericho was killed. She believed in the God of Israel. She married Salmon. And they had a child named Boaz. So we have one adulteress who slept with her own father-in-law who became a part of the genealogy of Jesus. We have another Gentile, a Canaanite, who was a prostitute who became a part of the genealogy of Jesus. Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth. Now, Ruth was a good woman. She wasn't marred by sexual immorality, yet she was a Gentile. And she was a Moabite. A Moabite. The Moabites, Deuteronomy says, were not allowed to come into the, to the temple worship for ten generations. Because who were the Moabites? The Moabites were the children of Lot. You know the story of Lot. He was down in Sodom and Gomorrah. God rescued him. Sending his angel to warn him that destruction was coming to Sodom and Gomorrah. And they they came out. His wife looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. Lot comes out with his daughters. They come flee to the next city. And yet they're so afraid because of what they've seen. And they flee to the mountains. And when they flee to the mountains, the daughters get to talking and think, there's no one on earth to come into us after the way of a man. And our our families are going to die with us. So they get their father drunk. And they both lie with him, and one of the children produced was Moab. Ruth herself was not sexually immoral, yet she came from a line produced by incest. She was a Gentile. And you have these three women in the genealogy of Jesus. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of, king da- of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. It doesn't mention Bathsheba's name. It tells us he, she was the wife of Uriah. 
I think it tells us that she was the wife of Uriah because Uriah was a Hittite. A Gentile. He was a Gentile. She was an adulteress. And yet she's in the genealogy of Jesus. So what is Matthew's point in giving us this genealogy and listing these women who were Gentiles and sinners? It's telling us a couple of things. One, God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. There were all these sinful stories of sinful people all throughout the Old Testament, and yet who did Jesus come to save? Sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. And the uh, angel told Matthew in the next passage, he shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So what we see in this passage, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. He is the one who came to fulfill the promises He is the seed of the woman who crushed the serpent's head. He is the son of Abraham who was the blessing to all nations, including Moabites and Hittites. He is the son of David who would would sit on the throne forever and ever and ever. Jesus is king. He was born to be king. And he came to save us from our sins. Gentiles and sinners. Matthew includes these Gentiles and sinners in his genealogy of Jesus to show us Jesus came to save His people, including people like us. Jesus came to save us. So, I'll close with an admonition. When we read the genealogy, there's a whole lot more than just a list of names. This list of names is so comforting. And it tells us Jesus came to save sinners. Every sinner can look to Jesus, trust in Him, and be saved.